Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Now, there are many scholars, many debates. They debate concerning whether the Antichrist is wounded to the point of death or did he actually die? It was a debate. Was he wounded to the point of death or did he actually die? Well, I think Revelation chapter 17, and if you're a Bible student, know that Revelation chapter 17 actually sheds light on Revelation chapter 13. Now, Revelation chapter 17, verse 8, it says, The beast that you saw was and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel when they see the beast that was and is not, and yet is. I believe there's no question. The Antichrist, this beast who has been wounded, he was wounded to the point of death. He actually did die. This popular, powerful, likable, charismatic figure who has captured the world's attention will really die, descend into hell, will come back to life. And when he comes back, he will truly be Satan incarnate. But whether dead or appearing to be dead, notice something amazing happens. His deadly wounds are healed. Did you see that? He's healed. It's a miracle. And he comes back to life. He comes back to life. Now, there's been a lot of Elvis sightings. I mean, why don't people leave Elvis in the grave? A lot of Elvis sightings, but what if, hypothetically, what if Elvis suddenly came back? What if John F. Kennedy suddenly showed up? What if John Lennon suddenly came back? Imagine. Imagine. Imagine CNN. 2020, in this video replay, you remember the, the, uh, the Twin Towers. When the planes flew into the Twin Towers, the towers began to fall. And I don't know about you, but I saw it constantly on every single station. They just kept playing it over and over. I was like, stop the insanity. Please stop showing that. It just over and over and over again. What if CNN 2020 continued to replay this leader being gunned down? And the whole world sees it, and he comes back to life. Now, we talked about this earlier, that this is now possible, that the whole world can see what is currently going on in any country in Jerusalem. We know that to be a fact. 
Now, we talked about this earlier where the two witnesses are going to lie dead in the streets and, and there's going to be this huge happy dead prophet's day because the people are going to start making merry because these two guys are dead and they're going to start giving each other gifts and the whole world will see it. And here we have, again, the Antichrist, this beast, is dead. He comes back to life. The whole world sees it. The whole world goes crazy. And they begin to worship the beast and the dragon who gave power to the beast. Satan is now worshipped. Now, isn't this what he has always wanted? From the beginning, I will be like the Most High God. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Satan's always wanted to be worshipped. And here, now, he gets what he wanted. They worship the dragon and the beast, and they say, who can stand against this one? And then notice in verse 5, and he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue, note this, 42 months, which is how long? Three and a half years, very good which is 1,260 days, which is time, times, and half time. Revelation chapter 12, verse 14, time, times, and half times. 42 months, three and a half years, this guy is given a voice. He is given a mouth to speak. And then in verse 6, he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name. Now, you know what? Blasphemy does not mean to curse God. You know, we hear people say a curse word, and somebody says, Oh, you blaspheme God, you blasphemer. You blasphemer. That doesn't mean to curse God, although I wouldn't recommend it. Say amen. Y'all wouldn't recommend it either. To blaspheme God literally means to shake your fist at God and say, God, I want my will, I want my way, I want it to be done my way is to exalt yourself above God. In other words, to act as if you know better than God. That is blasphemy. It doesn't necessarily mean to curse God. It means you think you know better. The Antichrist, Satan, he blasphemes God. He opened his mouth and he speaks blasphemies against God. And notice he did it in God's house. To blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven, there will be worldwide acceptance and allegiance to the Antichrist after he comes back to life, and no doubt he will go on the talk show circuit. Larry King, Oprah 2020, World News Tonight with David Jennings, all these guys will want to talk to him. Notice in verse 5, he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, great things. He has some great ideas. He will present some bold economic moves and bring a global peace plan. The world will be in chaos and confusion, and he will have answers. The world will be won over by his charisma and his ideas. It has been said he will have the charisma of JFK, the oral skills of Winston Churchill, the determination of Joseph Stalin, the vision of Karl Marx, the respectability of Gandhi, the military prowess of Douglas MacArthur, and the charm of Will Rogers. He will speak for three and a half years, and when he positions himself in a place of power, then domination complete. 
becomes his M.O. Notice in verse 7, it was granted to him, the Antichrist, to make war, underline this, with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. It's Jesus' book. The book of life belongs to Jesus. Now, we don't have time to talk about it in the interest of time this morning. But later on, as we move through Revelation, We'll talk about this book of life. How do you get in it, Rodney? Uh, It's not hard. Just believe in the Lord Jesus. Put your faith and your trust in him. And guess what? He writes your name in the book of life. If you're a Christian today, your name is written in the book of life. And it's Jesus' book. He won't lose it. I lose books. I lend books. I, I give away books. Jesus doesn't lose books, lend books, or give away this book because he's got you. He's holding you. Isn't that great news? Isn't that awesome? And your name, if you're a Christian, your name is in the book. You're the who's who in heaven. Isn't that cool? Because on earth, I'm, I'm who's he? Who's she? But in heaven, every born-again believer makes it to the who's who list. Shoot, man. People magazine, you know, they got on the cover. 100 most famous people. You know, in heaven, they'll be the who's them. Who are they? You see, they might be who's who now, but in heaven, that's just where it counts. Is your name written in the book of life? We'll talk about it later. I can't go there. If anyone in verse 9 has an ear, and we got two, most of us, right? We've got two. Let him hear. He who leads, notice this word of encouragement in verse 10, John gives. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Notice, if you will, with me. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Verse 7, a lot of controversy around verse 7. Because many people say, see, Rodney, and people who are mid-tribbers or post-tribbers, if that's your position, that's okay. God will show you that I'm right when we get to heaven. If that's your position, that's okay. But some mid-tribbers and some post-tribbers will say, now, Rodney, see, look at this. We're in the middle of the tribulation, right? And look right here in verse 7. It was granted to him to make war with the saints, with the saints. So they will tell you that the Antichrist, he's given power to make war with the saints. See, that's the church. They will tell you. Well, now let's understand something. In the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, first of all, there are three categories of saints. In the Old Testament, we find Israel are known as saints. And I know you know this. In the New Testament, the church is known as saints. And then as we've done our study in the book of Revelation, we have discovered that there are those who are saved during the tribulation. And they are also known as saints. So what we have here are 
saints who are saved during the tribulation. This is not the church. And I'll tell you for sure this is not the church because notice he, the Antichrist, makes war with the saints. And did you see that? He overcomes them. Did you see that? He overcomes them. Now, we know from Matthew chapter 16, Jesus talking about the church. Jesus said that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail or shall not overcome them. You see, this isn't the church because Jesus said the church would not be overcome. So these are tribulation saints. All of those who dwell on the earth will worship him whose name in verse 8 has not been written in the book of life. If you got an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit says. Hear, hear, hear what God has to say. Now notice our second point in our outline. The beast out of the sea, our first point. Our second point, the beast out of the earth. Notice in verse 11, if you're there with me, say amen. And then I saw, circle this, another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns, circle this, like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. See, he points his job, his ministry is to point to the first beast, worship him, give glory to him, honor him. That's his function. This guy, I'll tell you who he is in just a minute. But he causes those who dwell on the earth to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. This guy is doing miracles. He's hot. He's bringing fire down from heaven. Now, what does that tell us? Well, that tells us that we as people of God cannot be sign seekers. Oh, there's so many today. You know, Rodney, they're, they're having a, a miracle healing crusade over there. We need to go over there and see a sign. And over there, man, come on, Rodney, look at the church. Let's go over here and see a sign. And Rodney, over there, they're, 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 they're healing people and they're, they're lengthening legs and stretching heads. Rodney, you got to see it, man. Let's go see a sign. Listen, just because it is a miracle, just because it is a sign, it does not mean that it is a sign from the true and living God. We want to note in verse 14, notice he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image, and we don't know what the image is, it's animated supernaturally or technologically. We don't know, but it's just an image. People write books about it and try to get you to buy their books so they can tell you what the image is. The Bible is not clear. We do know that it is the image of the beast, and that image of the beast should speak and cause it could be a computer. And this speculation goes on and on. 
that that beast should should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. Now, who is this another beast? Revelation chapter 19, write that down, look it up in your own time, tells us this second beast from the land is the false prophet who works signs and wonders. He's the false prophet. The Antichrist was primarily a political leader, but the false prophet is a religious leader who is probably a Jew from Israel. Notice he has two horns like a lamb and he talks like a dragon. He looks like a lamb. He talks like a dragon. He is therefore a fake lamb. This guy is vicious. He's powerful. He has power. Calls down fire from heaven. He's got power. He's vicious and mean and tough. He's a fake lamb. Like Lambo. Sorry. That's my last one today. That's it. But notice the two horns like a lamb. That speaks of the fact that he will have little power and authority on his own. It will come from, this power will come from the Antichrist. He seems religious and humble and gentle and saintly. He's the PR man for the Antichrist. And notice his job is to cause the earth to worship the first beast. The Antichrist. Did you see that? If you go back in your own time and go through chapter 13, you will see that Satan is the master counterfeiter. You see that? He is the master. Satan counterfeits the father. The beast or the Antichrist fakes the son. And the false prophet mimics but cannot duplicate the Holy Spirit. This is Satan's version of the Trinity. And just like the Holy Spirit's job is to testify of the Son, so the false prophet testifies to the Antichrist. And he calls down fire from heaven and deceives many. He is doing miracles. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 24, the false prophet would emerge and show great signs and wonders and deceive many. Now notice in verse 16 through 18. Give me your particular attention here because these verses are absolutely unequivocally probably, and I'd go on record to say, probably the most fascinating verses in all of the Bible. Verses 16 through 18. Notice, he, the Antichrist, the false prophet, causes all, both small and great, rich, poor, free, slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is the wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Fascinating. Now, let's just back up for a second and start at the beginning. John, this book of Revelation, is a letter that John, who is a pastor, is writing to his congregation. Don't forget that. 
Because sometimes we forget it. We get caught up in the Antichrist and the signs and we'll talk about the mark and, and you know, these things. And we forget that this is a loving pastor. John is a loving pastor who cares for his congregation and he is writing them this loving letter. John at the time is on the island of Patmos, which is 50 miles from Ephesus. And there on this rocky, barren, desolate island of Patmos, he's, he's probably has on about as much clothes as a towel. He has very little food, very little vegetation, very little water to drink. And the highest form of technology at the time that John is writing this letter, the highest form of technology is a mule. A mule? Yeah. So as John is writing this letter, keep the context. This is a whole different world at the time that John is writing this prophecy, technologically and economically different. At the time that John is writing, most of the world's economics was done through bartering. So very, very different. And this is what makes this passage fascinating, intriguing, incredible, because John looks down the tunnel of history into the area of prophecy, and John is describing exactly what our culture looks like today. What John is describing is not what our culture looked like a hundred years ago or even 70, maybe even 50. But John is describing in great minute, may I add, detail of what is going on in our culture today. Now, this passage, verses 16 through 18, has confused many, many Bible scholars. Not that they didn't believe it. They did believe it, but it seemed impossible a hundred years ago. And even 70 years ago, this would have been impossible. Today, it is not only possible, but improbable. But technologically, we are set up and waiting for this to just take its course. Actually, we have the technology in place for the mark of the beast. We have the technology in place. What we are waiting for is the psychology to follow. And I believe that the psychology is already in place, I'll tell you why later. Be that as it may, the mark of the beast on the right hand and on the forehead in and of itself is a spit slap in the face to God, mimicking and mocking what is holy, what is good, what is right, what is godly. This is Satan's way of mocking God. How so, Rodney? Because in the Jewish culture, in the Shema, there was a, there's a quote that says, the Lord our God is one God. The Lord our God is one God. And what the Jewish people would do is they would take that quote, the Lord our God is one God, and they'd have it on a little piece of paper, and they would put it inside of a little leather box. And they would take that leather box, and they would tie it, strap it around their heads at the forehead. And then they would take, again, the Lord our God is one God, put it in a leather box, put it on their right hand, tie it around their right hand. They would then go to the wailing wall as they are there today. The rabbis are there at the wailing wall. You can see it for yourself. And they're, they're at the wailing wall because they believe that the Shekinah glory of God from Daniel is behind the wall. That's why they stand there and pray. And they go on and on. The Lord our God is one God. The Lord our God is one God. The Lord our God is one God. And so the, 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 these leather boxes, they are known as phylacteries. 
These phylacteries are on the forehead and on the right hand. And notice Satan's mark is to be on the right hand and on the forehead. In other words, to mock God, to laugh at God, to mimic God. Because the people would put the boxes on their heads because it, it, it would speak to those who are watching and say to them that I always want to be thinking about the word. I always want to be in the word. I always want the word of God on my mind. And they would have it on their hands because they always want to be doing what is good and what is right and what is pure. And taking these hands that God is giving them and placing them in front of God to be used as holy and pure instruments of God. And so they would chant the Lord our God is one God. And here we see Satan is mocking that. The Antichrist, the one in place of Christ, is mimicking God by putting the mark on the right hand and on the forehead. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.